Love the British monarchy? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the To Die For Daily podcast with Kinsey Schofield. Take it away, Kinsey. Kinsey here with todiefordaily.com, and thank you so much for checking out the To Die For Daily podcast. Here's author Christopher Anderson. I was so excited to get to talk to you because I loved your JFK Jr. book. And then the day Diana died, I've listened to so many times. I love the audiobook. And I just, what I loved about that book, and this is, it feels morbid to say, but I, that those first few chapters, I had goosebumps the entire time. I truly felt like I was there. And of course, I was a child when she died. I was emotional when she died, but I was more emotional reading that book as an adult. And for you to be able to bring back those feelings and at such with such intensity was really surprising to me. So of course I'm excited to hear from you again. Of course I'm excited for a new book. Um, specifically, I want to jump into the the Prince Andrew thing because I was at Windsor in February of 2020, and one of my friends that works there said nobody's worried about Meghan and Harry we're all worried about Prince Andrew. And I love that you make this point in your book because no one else seems to do it. Harry and Meghan were very distraught over what was going on, but it Mm. wasn't a coldness towards them. It feels like there's chaos going on on the other side. Is that true? Oh, yes. I mean, absolutely. I mean, the chaos in terms of Andrew, or are you talking about chaos? Yeah. Andrew hangs like a cloud. Boy, you know, the queen uh, picked a favorite of all the people she could have picked to be her favorite child, you know, (laughs) it's just amazing that she would pick Andrew. Um, Yeah, I think a lot was going on, but I also think that, you know, as I describe here, I mean, you mentioned Diana and she is, you know, I'm team Diana, obviously. I think, uh, you know, she's still just her ghost kind of hangs over everything. She transformed the monarchy and is, is still feeling her presence, you know? So that's why I, when I focused on Megan and Harry, yes, indeed, they were aware of all the other things going on and concerned about the effect on, on the queen, of course, because at 95, now she has to handle all this alone without Philip. But um, I think, uh, you know, it just added to the, to the, the, the kind of toxicity of the atmosphere that exists behind the palace walls. And I think that's one of the reasons Megan wanted wanted out. I mean, I write about this in the book that it's, you know, the, the seeds of this rift were really planted in childhood between uh, you know, William and Harry that, that, that the air in this, and now I see it, I did not see it 20 years ago when I wrote Diana's Boys. I thought this is this brotherly bond that will never be broken because they've gone through things nobody else in the world has ever experienced. But clearly uh, the air and the spare dynamic just is doomed to failure. It's just not gonna work. And the, and the spare is always going to end up feeling trod upon. You know, one of the things I hadn't realized, for example, that when the Queen Mother, until I wrote this book, that the Queen Mother, uh, when she met with William and Harry, um, would talk to William, but Harry literally sat in the corner, a distant corner, because of the sense that, you know, here is the future monarch, and this is, we're dealing with him in a different way, but these are children, you know, so it's going to leave a mark, right, I would think, And, uh, and I think we're still seeing the results of that. Yeah, and it feels like every spare because they didn't have that path, that clear path, Princess Margaret, Prince Andrew, they all kind of went awry because there wasn't that picture that, you know, just why can't they give them a role? (laughs) 
Right, right, right. Well, there, Edward is kind of the exception, isn't he? But I mean, look at the other ones. I mean, even Anne. I mean, her, her, you know, she, her, her life, her personal life, Edward sort of was a dumpster fire, like everybody else's in the royal family. They haven't done well with the marriages. Um, and by the way, I have to say this too about about um, this is a different. I'm kind of pre-associating here, but the thing that I I find. Um, uh, fascinating about everything that's happened in the royal family is that Charles made it all happen. You know, he's the person who caused the chaos. He's, he made this choice in love with Camilla. Camilla is the love of his life. Well, of course, if you've know, read my books, even while he's having an affair with Camilla, he's having affairs with other women, mm-hmm. but during his marriage to Diana. So this guy who's going to become king and probably not that far in the future you know, a lot of the chaos one can kind of lay at his doorstep because I think he bridges these generations. He's kind of a 19th century uh, personality there just trying to get pulled into the 21st century. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when he becomes king. Oh my God. I, I love that you said that because I have this written down and I can't, I can't remember because it's been, I recently read again, the day Diana died. Now we, you talked about, I think in that book, maybe even in this book, um, that Upon marrying her, they said to the public that she will not become queen. She's going to be princess consort. Well, now all of a sudden, and this is years ago that you wrote this. Now right. all of a sudden they're saying, oh, well, she might be, we don't know if she's going to become queen. Can they get away with that? Right. I said that before, that that was a lie. That, of course, he always intended it to be her to be queen. And in fact, she is, she is now princess of Wales. So yeah. this is a kind of a, a shell game they're playing, a kind of a, smoke and mirrors because nobody wants to offend sensibilities by calling this princess, you know, Diana will forever be princess of Wales as far as people are concerned. Um, But no, Camilla queen, of course she's gonna be queen. She will automatically become queen when he's king. And do you think he's going to have a coronation and then say, oh, you'll be the first queen consort uh, in modern history to just be ignored? Of course not, He's he's going to crowd her. And he's always intended to, and he really needed Harry up there and Megan to help sell the public, not only on his, you know, he's not the most popular guy, never was, uh, not only on his um, monarchy, but, you know, to sell Camilla as queen. And now he's got lost really a major component, I think, in that uh, equation. Wow, that's fascinating to think about that. Um, uh, You you talk about um, this girl, which is so interesting because so much was made about this girl as if Prince William was just saying whatever, like she's just, right. she's nobody almost. Right. right. You, you brought up a brilliant point that this girl is not Prince William's. That's not his go-to. That's actually something Prince Harry said initially. That's right. Prince Harry is, is on a record as having called, referred to his, you know, <laughs> Megan as, as, as this girl. So, you know, there's a little hypocrisy there. I mean, there's a lot of hypocrisy there. I, when I look at, um, a lot of misstatements and convenient half-truths, I don't mean to be too critical, but for example, when they say they never could get therapy, well, they all had therapy. They were getting, now, not as children, yes, William and Harry were denied the help they needed at a crucial time, but as adults, they've all been in and out of therapy. They've all they helped each other get in and out of therapy. So when someone says at a certain point, well, this person finally got me the help I needed, they have said that several times in the past. I mean, Harry has credited William repeatedly since 2012 with getting him help, you know, so why would you know now the the palace won't help me? Uh, That I don't understand. But um, yeah, I I sometimes think they don't even know the, you know, celebrities sometimes are very uh, interesting that they often believe their own PR. And I don't think if you sat them down, they really know the facts of their own life that well. 
you know? Well, I that's think like, that's a that's a sweet, innocent. I mean, I I would rather think that than we're being blatantly lied to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's that too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I call them the, the longest running soap opera, you know, because they really provide all those elements, sex, scandal, the tragedy, history, what else does to this extent? Yeah. Continually turn. Sometimes I wish they would just sit down. <laughs> Let me write because I'm constantly updating these books, you know, as you know, and uh, trying to make them as, as current as you can make it. Well, and with Fergie, I think she's a great example of forgiveness because she came to the States. She was like selling blenders, Weight Watchers, really right. almost just humiliating the royal family. And now she's basically living under the queen's nose. I don't know many exes that have that kind of access to their mother-in-law. So I feel like there is hope for Harry and Meghan when I look at Fergie, who there are mm -hmm. some has had some embarrassing moments over there. Right. But there's, you know, Beatrice, Eugenie, and of course, Andrew, don't forget, Andrew's this other part of this mm -hmm. thing. In, in, in the Queen's eyes, he can almost do no wrong. Almost. <laughs> almost. I mean, um, it's a limit right now. So uh, I saw on Dan Wooten's show, he asked Thomas Markle to respond to Prince Charles, perhaps being the person that said, you never accuse him of being the royal racist in the book. It's never, it's never positioned that way. Um, but of course, media outlets jumped on that. Thomas Markle came out to defend Prince Charles and said, I think it was just a really innocent comment. People said the same thing to Doria and I. And I think that that I've always felt that way that somebody manipulated this comment. Is that is that how you took it? Totally. That's what it was all about. And it was an innocent non. -ra I, I don't believe there's racism uh, it, within the senior ranks of the royal family at all. And, and look, I'm a grandfather, and I can tell you, you do speculate on these things. I mean, even as a father, you know, you, you know, are your kids going to have dark hair, brown eyes, and blue eyes, whatever? Uh, and the skin tone thing was just a, a, a kind of a, here's the, you know, this a beautiful biracial woman married to the the world's uh, are we allowed to say ginger i've been told that's no longer <laughs> world's most famous ginger uh you know come on of course people wonder and uh in an innocent way and i think in a positive way really i don't think there's any question of that but of course the palace has a, a tendency to you know the the guys behind the scenes to spin things in that game of telephone they play by the time it's finished by the time it got to harry it was something more sinister sounding you know so that was that caused yet another problem I love that but you said I, that. Yeah, I, I'm actually, I would love for that for Harry. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I, Harry and Meghan to or, or William. I don't know. William and Kate and Harry and Meghan have not spoken up, you know, about this issue. And I would like to see that some, at some point. Yeah, no. And I love that you said telephone because it while watching the Oprah interview, that's what I kept thinking. Like, Harry's not. He, I don't think that Harry's communicating things correctly or they are so sensitive because they feel so alone that certain comments are not, and I'm not blaming them. I, I do, I actually really do feel sympathy for them in a lot of this, in, in a lot of the chaos. Of course, sometimes I'm like, did we really need to do Ellen? But I, I do feel a lot of sympathy for them. Uh, what um, did you think of that, by the way? I'm curious. What was I your thought it was really uncomfortable and I wanted to like it but I feel like I'm I think you are who you associate with mm -hmm. and if you go sit down with somebody that's been associated as being a bully in the middle of an investigation about you being a bully it feels a little uh like not Awkward. yes yeah. I I did yeah. not and then it also felt like something Princess Diana would never do something Grace Kelly would never do yeah you know just yeah. 
you know, and by the way, they were playful people. They were, you know, she was, uh, Princess Diana would go down a plume ride in Disney World or something. Of course, but uh, uh, would she would she play these games, take direction? I mean, that, no, that was not, you know, uh, it's kind of unbecoming. There's a sense of dignity still. There's a line that, that they never really crossed, I don't think, except for, you know, Fergie selling the blenders, as you said. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree, I agree. Um, what do you think about, Meghan Markle's family, because that is one place where I sympathize with Meghan. I, I sympathize with her because I love my father so immensely and I talk to him so regularly and I sympathize with her because he would never do some of this stuff to me. It's, un it's unthinkable. It's, it's very hurtful. I can't even, it's, uh, it's hard to, yeah, I, I don't get it either. But you okay. know, we all, there are some complicated family. I mean, a, a lot of those people seem awfully familiar to me. <laughs> Not that they're in my family, but yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> yeah, it gets, wild it, card. it reminds me of like Lindsay Lohan's family when they were all coming out and talking about what was going on in her life. I just, it's too tabloidy. At what point are you like common sense says I should shut up right now. Right. Right. And, and, and let's face it. I mean, uh, she did extend an olive branch. Harry was on the phone to him constantly trying to make amends. And uh, you know, didn't happen. It was very bizarre. Within very. That. And I have to, you have to give Charles credit for stepping up, yes. especially the relationship with Doria Raglan being so uh, kind to uh, Megan's mom and being uh, attentive to her. And that's another sign, I think, that you know, and, and it, you know, along with the fact that he was always very uh, accepting of of Megan, that uh, Charles wouldn't be making a racist comment about. No. Well, I am loving this. I recently on the, on my Instagram posted a picture of a People magazine with Britney Spears on it that said emailing with Prince William. How crazy is it that Britney Spears was talking to Prince William? At the time, he was the hottest young man in the world. She was the hottest young woman in the world. Right. Is that not hilarious? Hilarious. And they tried to get together. They really tried to get together for Valentine's Day. I think she, of course, would have liked that from a variety of publicity reasons and other things, you know, but, uh, you know, his favorite, uh, as, as I also point out, his favorite pinup as a, as a teenager was Britney Spears and Harry's was uh, Halle Berry. So that's, you know, that, that was predictive of something. Exactly. <laughs> you know? So cute. You know, aesthetic, right. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, well, you know, he was also, uh, William was, uh, also had a kind of a cyber relationship with Lauren Bush, the model who was, uh, uh, George Bush's, you know, uh, niece, but um, yeah, all that stuff, how these things come around, especially given, you know, uh, Britney's current, you know. Sense well, and Britney, Britney constantly compares herself to Princess Diana, which I no. think is so interesting. No, I don't, I don't, I don't quite see the comparison, but you know, <laughs> not that I'm a fan, she's fine. And maybe, maybe it's the paparazzi following her. That could be it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it still strikes people as as uh, as unbelievable that Kevin Costner was almost, you know, roped her into doing the sequel, you know, to- And the body. nude scene, the nude scene. We don't want to see that. <laughs> no, 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 that would not have been, you know, I don't, no, I don't think she would have done it, but I do think that uh, the, the fact that the, that the script landed on his desk the day she died, although you can't, you know, as they say, you can't make this stuff up. It's no. Believable. It's it, it's crazy. Um, all right. And, and this is something I'd never heard before from your book that Kate kind of really aggressively reached out to Megan after the birth of Lily and was denied. I had no clue about that, but it didn't surprise me. I thought, of course, Kate did that so sweet. 
Yeah, she is. And she's a very kind person. I mean, you always get this from people who have encountered her, worked with her, know her. Uh, she's she's kind and uh, she she gets a bum rap as as being a kind of a cold fish. I think I think people think she's so controlled. And frankly, I, a lot of women have told me she's they they consider her to be awfully thin, you know. <laughs> but uh, she, but she has this little tight group of people around her, uh, maybe a half dozen people at the most, and she doesn't let people in that much. But I think when when Lily uh, was born, uh, you know, she wanted to she could connect with Megan in that way as well unfortunately you know nobody in the royal family has met her yet yeah uh, you know that's that's speaks volume i think right Very now what what would you say um you i know i've seen you all over the place talking to media everybody's loving the book um what would you say has been what do you feel like is the most reaction you're getting from a single um, storyline is it is it the prince charles thing is it is it britney <laughs> you know uh, well, I, well, I personally, I find the uh, PTSD uh, uh, story uh, to be really very telling because they're still grappling with the uh, impact and the grief they felt over the mother's death, and and having had, you know, it's one you could say you would think the defining moment would be the time when they learned of their mother's death. I think the defining moment was walking behind her casket, yeah, and hearing that little girl in the, in the crowd saying, you know, look, mummy, it's the princess in the box. I mean, talk about a macabre. Uh, position to put these little kids in um and also the suicide i mean everyone is taking that very lightly but you know diana tried i mean is it that bad you know is it that bad that it would force these women who are very strong-willed women to seriously uh, attempt i mean to, you know diana threw herself down the stairs with, when she was three months pregnant with william i mean i just think uh it must be uh the pressure just must be phenomenal and we don't it's hard to understand it or see it because everyone thinks oh charmed lives and wealth, glamour, palaces, and all this, but no, I don't think it's worth it, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, are you going to be doing any events for this book, or are you going to be doing any signings in LA? Because I'd love the opportunity to meet you. Can I get a, I'd love to at some point. I mean, am I, can I get on a plane? I don't even <laughs> 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 Can I leave my apartment here? I'm not sure. Are you in New uh, York? I'm in New York. Yeah. Have you seen Diana the Musical? I haven't. Okay, I loved it. Don't be mad at me. Oh, you saw it. Yeah, I thought it was so cute. I saw oh, really? it two weeks ago, and um, and I'm coming back next week, and I'm going to see it again on Wednesday night. It's just fun. Like I get that it's weird, but it's yeah. it's like to be in a room full of people that love the royal family and that yeah. are reacting to like shots at Prince Charles. It's just so <laughs> cute and so fun. So you're going to have to see it really? if you can. <laughs> who plays Camilla I would like to know that one. Oh, I think her name is Erin Davey and mm -hmm. and they start Camilla off as the bad guy from like scene one so it is just so good I will I will see it at some point I'm still a little nervous about about that I am I am I being unnecessary you saw it in this in New York or is yes it, okay yeah. And I am a total germaphobe. I've been in my house for two years because I'm afraid of the pandemic. I've gained 50 pounds, but I could not stay away. I just had to see it. And it was so funny. Paul Burrell, they've got a Paul Burrell character. It, it's just hilarious. They have an Andrew Morton. It is just so funny. Is the music, is the music good? It it's be. good. It's good. I, it took me a couple of, you know, Bon guy from Bon Jovi wrote it. One of the guys from Bon Jovi. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Um, it is crazy. <laughs> it took me a couple of times to hear it until I, and then I was like, this is good. The, at first, the first time I watched it, I watched it on Netflix. Don't do it. And I was like, this is bizarre, but to watch okay. it with people that 
in a room are laughing and, you know, dancing. It's a completely different experience. Well, I will make that one of my Christmas things to do. You have to. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I, I absolutely love you and I love reading your books and it is such a cool honor to talk to you. Well, I I really enjoyed it and and have me back anytime. I mean, you know, you're a joy to talk to. Thank you so much. I love it. Thank you so much. I will talk to you again soon and happy holidays. Thank you for listening to the To Die For Daily Podcast with Kinsey Schofield. A transcript of this chat is available at todiefordaily.com. Please subscribe to hear more from your favorite royal commentators. Cheers.